Hello from the ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2017 in Miami, Florida. I'm Sharon Nelson, a past president of the Virginia State Bar and currently the president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic. And we have the great pleasure of being here today with ABA President Linda Klein, who we call a friend uh, and are happy to do so. So let's get started because we are on the road with Legal Talk Network. <laughs> So my first question is probably the barn burner of the moment, and that is, you made the news on January 31st when you issued a statement regarding the recent presidential executive orders on immigration. Can you tell us what the essence of the statement was and why you felt compelled to make it? Thank you, Sharon. Protecting the rights of the most vulnerable is a very important core American value. And at the same time, all countries, including the United States, need to secure their borders and keep their citizens safe from harm. The ABA wants to ensure that we do both of those things within the bounds of our Constitution. Uh, the January 27th executive order temporarily banned entry into the United States for migrants from seven countries. It raises several constitutional questions that have been challenged in federal court, and additional litigation is, is bound to follow. Uh, we're in the midst of the highest level of refugee displacement since World War II. And this order disrupts our nation's immigration system and calls into question the United States as a leader in protecting the world's refugees. The haste of the order's implementation has also created confusion among the very agencies uh, assigned to implement and enforce it. A lack of clarity adds to panic and chaos affecting families in our communities. There was a second order, the January 25th executive order, that came first on border security and immigration enforcement and that will likely have an even larger impact on our immigration system than the January 27 order. Detention is a serious deprivation of liberty that separates families and causes serious hardships. The ABA opposes detention except in extraordinary circumstances such as threat to the public safety or flight risk. Persons in detention are much less likely to have access to counsel and it can exacerbate trauma for particularly vulnerable populations such as refugees and families with children. Under the rule of law, we owe due process to all, including those who face deportation. The ABA is concerned that some of the provisions in the executive orders would negatively impact fairness and due process in our immigration enforcement and adjudication arenas. The ABA believes that removal decisions should be made only by impartial adjudicators, preferably immigration judges, uh, following a formal hearing that conforms to accepted norms of due process and should be subject to administrative and judicial review. The ABA has adopted several policies opposing the use of state and local authorities to enforce federal immigration law. And the ABA believes the practice undermines public safety by diverting already limited resources from their primary mission of criminal law enforcement and protecting the public, uh, strains community relations, and, and raises the risk of racial profiling. Well, before John asks you a question, I just want to tell you that I have never been prouder to be a member of the American Bar Association, to see it asserting these, these principles, and never been prouder of, of you as a friend. Well, thank you so much, and I want everyone that's not a member of the ABA to feel the same way, and please join the ABA. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, Linda, I'm sure our, our listeners are interested in, in what challenges that you faced so far in your presidency, and kind of what did you do to handle that? 
serving as president of the American Bar Association is an incredible privilege. It's definitely a challenging job, but it's a rewarding job. Uh, I've concentrated on several initiatives. Uh, I'd like to tell you about one initiative that we were highlighting in particular, and that's uh, serving our nation's veterans, uh, our Veterans Legal Services Initiative, and also an initiative uh, to help our members do what they love, practice law, which you've heard of as ABA Blueprint. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the Veterans Legal Services Initiative first. Um, one of the main initiatives this year in the ABA has been moving forward on our belief that the legal profession owes more than a debt of gratitude to those who've served, and the ABA developed a number of policies designed to help veterans. Uh, among them, the ABA has supported more efficient resolution of veterans' disability claims, uh, development of veterans' treatment courts, not only in jurisdictions that don't yet have them, but for the jurisdictions that do have them, a more comprehensive approach that takes the civil as well as criminal justice needs uh, into account. Uh, also, we've looked at a requirement that employers provide reasonable accommodations for veterans with combat injuries that may emerge after they return from their uh, active duty. Uh, we've worked hard for congressional enactment of the Veterans Advocacy Act of 2007, it's been a while, and we're still working on it. Then that would provide legal services for veterans to obtain health care and other benefits to which they're entitled. Uh, we're working on a pilot and have worked on a pilot to reduce the backlog in veterans' administration claims, and we're working on establishing more veterans' legal clinics at law schools. We've appointed a Veterans Legal Services Commission this year. It's got 20 members, two co-chairs, three special advisors, Leaders of relevant ABA entities such as legal services, pro bono, public service, they're all included. Bar leaders are included. Corporate counsel are included. All sorts of stakeholders in this very important national issue. Right now, the commission is working at this meeting on creating a comprehensive online network to link veterans and veteran-serving organizations and qualified pro bono and what we call low bono lawyers mm. who can provide specific legal services that veterans need. Uh, we're having a uh, CLE here on Saturday, February 4th, a free CLE for anyone who's interested in, in helping provide pro bono services to veterans. We had a CLE in December, which I believe is recorded and still available online for those who would like to uh, take part in it. And that's how to establish medical legal partnerships, as well as how to set up legal clinics to aid veterans in rural and urban areas and at law schools. Uh, while I was here in Miami the other day, I went to see a medical legal partnership at the VA hospital, and it was amazing how much the utilization of the VA hospital emergency room and other services mm -hmm. could be decreased substantially with the help of a lawyer. And sometimes the lawyer only needs to spend a few minutes and can solve a problem mm -hmm. that could really make a difference in lives. We are working very hard on, on these issues. Uh, we're working to educate service providers on cultural competencies when addressing the unique needs that female veterans and homeless veterans have. You know, the fastest growing homeless population in America is women veterans. Hmm. We can do better. Uh, we're developing a curriculum for a certification of law specialty in veterans legal issues, and we believe that will elevate the needs that are there. Uh, we're looking at unbundled legal services in the, in the veterans context. Uh, there's a great program that Starbucks sponsors called Military Mondays, where <laughs> veterans and lawyers can meet up at a Starbucks on a Monday and get what we call unbundled legal services. Um, 
We did some great pro bono work around Veterans Day and had about 100 legal clinics for veterans around Veterans Day. And we're going to do it again around Memorial Day. And I'm hoping that everybody that's listening will participate in a pro bono event for veterans around Memorial Day. And at our annual meeting in August, we're going to have some great programs on veterans treatment courts and the expansion of them that I talked about. And one last thing that we're doing here at the mid-year meeting is there'll be a resolution at the House of Delegates from the Veterans Legal Services Commission. For those of you who have a vote and are listening to this, it's 118. And it urges all lawmakers and the legal profession to collaborate in identifying and removing systemic barriers to veterans' access to housing, education, employment, benefits, and services, particularly those that are provided by the VA. All great work. Yes. All great work. Thank you. Linda, for my next question, can you tell us something about some of the member benefits that you've been working on? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> we are uh, working hard on something that we launched in November that we called ABA Blueprint. So it's now about three months old. And Blueprint was inspired by my listening tours as I went around the country last year and met mostly with lawyers in small firms in small towns. And they told me that the administrative burdens of practicing law really got in the way of doing what they were trained to do and doing what they love to do, which is practicing law. So uh, at the heart, ABA Blueprint is a one-stop shop for ABA members and other lawyers. You don't have to be an ABA member to use it, uh, but there'll be a reason why. You'll want to be a member after you try it. And it is a dynamic web tool to, to provide uh, member access to a suite of services uh, related to law practice management. Uh, the services are packaged to give lawyers, particularly solos and small firm lawyers, that help that they ask me for. And the way it's designed is it walks lawyers through their needs and offers affordable services to help them in their practices. And the assortment of practice managed services offered by Blueprint ranges from just billing assistance to marketing help to technology solutions to a virtual assistant, a virtual receptionist perhaps. And ABA members, and this is why you'd want to be a member to use it, uh, can also schedule a free 30-minute management consultation and get quick answers either by phone or by live chat. In addition to the full practice management offerings, uh, ABA Blueprint also offers members steep discounts that in many cases that can absolutely offset the price of their ABA membership. But again, it's open to all lawyers, even those who want to pay more. Um, and with the help of uh, Curo Legal, a firm that offers uh, consulting design and development services, ABA Blueprint was designed to offer lots of options and lots of choices. I've heard the expression, I read it in Law Practice Management Magazine, one size fits one. And that's our goal. And the core mm -hmm. concept of ABA Blueprint is to help lawyers choose the products and services they need to build their firms to their liking. And so we provide a broad array of choices. We've got a strong complement of services now, but not yet a full complement. And we're going to continue to build and offer choices because this is really an organic and growing project. If you want to check it out, go to abablueprint.com, hit get started, click and follow the prompts. It's, it's easy and it's fast. Another member benefit is ABA Insurance, which was launched this past fall. It's up and running, shows great promise for the more than 400,000 ABA members and their families. Insurance can be a very difficult proposition for lawyers in, in small firms and solo practice and and so far, we've rolled out 11 products through USI Affinity that includes health insurance, auto and homeowners insurance, term life insurance, disability insurance, 
dental and vision insurance, long-term care insurance, even pet insurance. <laughs> uh, Sharon, I know you'll, you'll, this will be near and dear to your heart that just recently we rolled out cyber insurance to protect lawyers and firms from damage caused by data breaches and hacks. Uh, also, we've got student loan refinancing plans that are open to all law firm employees, not just lawyers. And in fact, most of the programs that we offered are open to law firms to offer to their entire staff. The ABA's got a long history of leveraging our group buying power to provide very valuable member benefits, and ABA insurance adds to that portfolio. And by the way, the ABA is, of course, committed to helping our members be better lawyers, and traditionally, that's meant continuing legal education and books and magazines and newsletters, and the ABA is still the best at that, of course. Uh, and the ABA recognizes that lawyers need more, and so... ABA Blueprint, that's ABAblueprint.com, where you can find ABA Insurance through that, uh, or you can go to ABAinsurance.com. Those are two more examples of what our association is doing to help lawyers. Thank you. Well, Linda, what are, what are some of the hot-button issues for this year's mid-year meeting? Well, the hot-button issues here at, at the mid-year meeting are plentiful. Anytime you get a, thousands of lawyers together, I'm sure there'll be lots that they want to talk about. <laughs> Obviously, the immigration orders we talked about are getting a lot of attention. And the selection of Judge Neil Gorsuch to fill the uh, vacant Supreme Court seats always being talked about, too. Of course, I cannot comment on the judge specifically, but I can say that the ABA is involved in the process. Uh, many people don't know that for more than 60 years since the Eisenhower administration, the American Bar Association's Independent Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary has evaluated the professional qualifications of nominees to the Supreme Court by conducting extensive peer reviews of each nominee's integrity, professional competence, and judicial temperament. The Standing Committee focuses solely on the nominee's professional qualifications. It does not take into consideration a nominee's philosophy, political affiliation, or ideology. Every member of the Standing Committee participates in the evaluation of a nominated Supreme Court justice. Typically, hundreds of interviews are conducted around the country with people who have personal knowledge of the nominee's professional qualifications. In addition, distinguished law school professors examine the nominee's legal writings. That includes opinions, nominees' blogs, some of them have that, <laughs> briefs, articles. And they're looking for quality, for clarity, for knowledge of the law, for analytical ability. A national team of leading practitioners with uh, Supreme Court experience also examines the, the nominee's legal writings. And then the standing committee will rate the nominee's professional qualifications based on this comprehensive peer review process. And a cornerstone of the committee's peer review process is confidentiality. And anonymous sources are not given consideration, but the process remains confidential. We're very proud of that process and how it's worked for the last 60 years. Linda, what do you have planned for the second half of your presidency? Well, after this mid-year meeting, there are several important events. ABA Day, April 25 to 27, where the ABA hosts lawyers from all over the country. We come to Washington, D.C., and we lobby Congress on important issues. We've not seen a preliminary budget yet, but we are always watching LSC funding very carefully. Mm. The ABA's commitment to funding legal services for the poor goes back many years. In fact, many people don't know it, but the ABA led by President Lewis Powell, who later became Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell, worked on the creation of the Legal Services Corporation. Now, providing access to justice is not free. Even when lawyers supply their services to clients for free, that doesn't mean there's no cost. 
And this year, the National Legal Services Corporation will receive $385 million. But when you adjust that for inflation, the amount is nearly an all-time low. So we've got lots to do to help the Legal Services Corporation gain the funding that it needs so that there can be access to justice for all. And the other very important event is Law Day. And that's May 1, decreed so by President Dwight Eisenhower in 1958. And this year's theme of Law Day is the 14th Amendment and the many ways it has helped reshape American law and society through its citizenship, due process, equal protection clauses, things that the ABA is all about. The 14th Amendment has advanced the rights of all Americans, and that's also played a pivotal role in extending the reach of the Bill of Rights to the states. It's one of the most off-sided, most litigated constitutional amendments. Rarely does a Supreme Court term go by without a landmark decision citing the 14th Amendment, including recent rulings on affirmative action and voting rights, and Law Day is all about educating the public, and the public needs to learn more about the 14th Amendment. Well, we're always at the Law Day celebration yes. in Fairfax, Virginia, yeah. so we will carry the flag and the banner there. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> so tell me the truth. In spite of the very hard work that your job involves, are you having fun? Oh, I am having fun. It is an incredible privilege and an incredible experience. And the American Bar Association is a terrific organization. I've been involved in the ABA since I was a law student. And I've had the opportunity to visit some wonderful legal organizations around the country, see all the great work they do, and that's especially fun and rewarding. Y'all join us. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that some of them do. <laughs> so any last thoughts for our listeners, Linda? I guess I just want to say that I'm very proud to be president of the American Bar Association and, and very proud to be a lawyer in the United States. And everyone listening who's a lawyer should be so as well. Uh, lawyers donate more pro bono time than any other profession. When immigrants and refugees were stranded at airports last week because of all the legal confusions, lawyers rushed to airports around the country to help total strangers who were vulnerable and needed help. How can you not be proud? It was a proud moment for the American Bar Association and for the legal profession. I think a lot of people are thinking lawyers look a little better than they thought they did <laughs> before all this happened. So we want to thank you very much for joining us today, Linda. It's been great. Thank you so much for spending the time, taking the time to share with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guest, Linda Klein, for joining us today. And we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Consult a lawyer.